Yeah, what a great, great morning to be together. This annual event where we uh, celebrate the climax of the festival season, the high point of the festival season, and of course, as was said earlier, that was exactly what had been going on in Israel uh, at the very moment that Hamas invaded from the Gaza Strip and began launching the rockets and all those kinds of things um, into Israel. They'd been enjoying their Sabbath, they'd been enjoying the last and the great day of the feast, the eighth day, and all those kind of things. I want to say that uh, because I was anticipating being in Israel next Sunday, I've organised a wonderful guest speaker for us, uh, Kelvin Crombie, which um, some of you know of Kelvin. Um, He's... Uh, spent half his life, he's from Kellerberrin. Who knows where Kellerberrin is? A few of you do. It's here in Western Australia, if you don't know that. It's a wheat and sheep area. And uh, he spent half his life in Western Australia and the other half in Israel as an Australian. And got a very interesting story. When he left here, he was not someone who was a follower of Jesus Christ. And when he came back after 25 years in Israel, he was, and he came back with a wife and five children and, um, and a lot of other things. And uh, so Kelvin's coming to share with us next Sunday. So it'll be a great Sunday to be here. And uh, I don't know where I'll be. Um, so very interesting. Uh, the, the, on th- Thursday... I uh, had a really difficult day on Thursday. I don't know what yours was like. Who had a good day on Thursday? Put your hand up. Thursday was just an awesome day for you. Good. I'm glad. Thursday was a very difficult day for me. Struggled all day wrestling with what to bring this morning. I realised now it was a complete waste of time. In one sense, not really, but in that sense that... um, you know, you don't know what, whether, sometimes you don't know, do you? Well, you don't know because you don't know. But, you know, when you've got to stand up on a Sunday and you've got to bring something and it's a real struggle, you don't know, is this like spiritual warfare? You just need to battle through it. You just need to wrestle with this. Or is it, or is it the Lord just saying, calm down, it'll be okay. And there's a wrestle with which way do you go with that? Do you, do you go, okay, Lord, it'll be up to you? And hope that Hamas invades Israel the day before you have to speak? So, or some, some other event happens? You don't know. And so I wrestled. Uh, and I've, I've landed on the word invited this morning. And there's no, uh, there shouldn't be a slide on the screen behind me at the moment, I hope. Other than a blank one or something similar. I want us to open our Bibles and I want us to read. Are we going to read... Um, we're going to read three passages of scripture and for those of you that have been tracking with the daily devotionals through the sacred assembly, these passages will, you will have heard them uh, in the daily devotions and whether you listen to them on audio or whether you were reading them yourself won't matter. So you will have either read this to yourself or you will have heard it read by someone else as you listen to the podcast. Daniel chapter 7, I'm going to read the first 14 verses. 
Earlier, during the first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon, Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote down the dream and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being and it was given a human mind. Then I saw a second beast and it looked like a bear. It was rearing up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, get up, devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared and it looked like a leopard. It had four bird's wings on its back and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Then in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts and it had ten horns. As I was looking at the horns, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were open. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Amen. Go in your Bible now to Revelation chapter 19, and we'll read the first nine verses. Revelation 19, the very last book in the Bible, and it only has 22 chapters, so it's... so. Chapter 19 is towards the end of that. Beginning to read at verse 1. After this I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are just and true. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again their voices rang out. Praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen. Praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. 
Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honour to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words that come from God. Turn a couple of pages to Revelation chapter 21. And beginning to read at verse 8, sorry, verse 1, we'll read the first eight verses and then we'll go to the end of the chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. If you go down to verse 22, John says, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honour into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So there's a lot of information in those chapters, and I encourage you to spend some time in them for yourself. I simply want to say that this, the Shelters Festival is the culmination from Revelation 21 and 22, when Jesus has returned to the earth, he has purged the earth, cleansed the earth of all the contaminants, all the sin, all the evil. And then in the Feast of Shelters, it is the Father himself comes to live on earth, as this scripture says, just as it was in the days of Eden. It's a beautiful picture. It's a great story. It, it, it ought to fill your heart with hope 
in the midst of all that's going on, that there is this day that's coming. And we are anchored in this truth because we know so much of what the scripture has said will happen has already come to pass. And so that gives us great hope that the things that it prophesies and speaks of the future will come to pass because they're anchored and secured by the history, if you like, the track record that God has. In September, there's a bloke called Rupert Murdoch. Some of you will have heard of him. At the age of 92, he announced that he's stepping aside from his role as chairman of his global conglomerate of media organisations. One of the, the thing that is on the screen here is he said, I will still be involved every day in the contest of ideas. I don't know if you've thought too much about that. But we all live in, in a world with a contest of ideas, don't we? Right? And sometimes those ideas uh, erupt into physical violence. And not just on the battlefields. They erupt at, in our homes, sometimes in our schools, in our workplaces, in the supermarket checkout lines. All over the places, there's this contest of ideas. I don't know how much you know about Rupert Murdoch. I don't know very much about him, except that in, except that in 1954, he, I believe he inherited from his father the Adelaide Advertiser. And so he began life, if you like, as a young man in his 20s. He owned one newspaper. But he had greater aspirations and he understood that in this contest for ideas it was going to be important for him to control as much media as possible and so he began to push all the boundaries and all those kind of things. Eventually where that led to him, he realised he needed a bigger platform than Australia could have for him. He wanted a global platform and some of you may remember the time that because this was front page news in our nation... Because he wanted to own media companies in the United States, he had to renounce his Australian citizenship and become an American. The outcry, the betrayal, how could he do this to us? How could he reject being an Australian and become an American? That he understood this contest of ideas and he wanted the biggest megaphone that he could get for himself. And so he conquered the United States, he conquered England and he still conquers Australia in many ways. So I want to ask you this question though. What citizenship would you be prepared to renounce to have an eternal home with God? If he said, you can become a citizen in my family, my kingdom, would you be prepared to renounce your Australian citizenship or whatever citizenship you hold of another country? Now, many of you are nodding your heads because for you, it's, a, it's like this is a no-brainer, Wayne. This is, this is, there's no loss here. There's no downside. Uh, and you've embraced that. And the reality that this is the gospel and this next slide will tell us that every gospel offers people a better life and a better world, but only one delivers it. You see, gospel is not a Christian word. 
Don't be deceived into thinking it's a Christian word. It's not. It's simply a Greek word that we've translated and it's become an English word. It simply means good news. And so in the world that we live in, there's this contest of ideas and there's a contest of gospels, right? There's all these things that are being offered to people which say to them, if you do this activity, um, let me give some examples. If you consume this drink, your life will be better. You'll have a better life by consuming this drink or by consuming this food, you'll have a better life or by taking this pill, you'll have a better life. And the list goes on and on and on. And the, and the list is also like Hinduism offers a gospel. Buddhism offers a gospel. All of these offer gospels. Even Judaism offers a gospel that is not the gospel that the Christians preach. Don't be deceived about that. So there's this contest of ideas and there's a contest of gospels. And, and what we need to be and what parents need to do is train your children to be able to discern. Does this let make sure they know the true gospel of the kingdom of God, of the coming king who's coming to reign, with all the songs we've been singing. But don't just tell them that this is something personal for them. Samuel Whitfield says it well, and this next slide shows it. He says, the biblical gospel is more than the message of individual salvation. The gospel is a cosmic message focused on Jesus, the beautiful son of man, that's Daniel 7, who is going to take dominion over the cosmos, restore it and form a people like himself in the process. That's actually the gospel that the Christians proclaim. It's a cosmic gospel. It's about Jesus who is coming. He is going to take dominion over the entire planet and he's going to restore it for God's glory. And in that process, he's going to form a people like himself. And the biblical festivals provide us a rhythm, an annual rhythm and calendar that remind us of this story. And that's why, say it with me, God's rehearsals for God's people to participate in God's story, centered on God's son, restoring God's creation for God's glory. That's it. That's why we do biblical festivals, because they keep, it's this annual rehearsal, this annual rhythm of the rehearsals, and here is the climax of it, and this is where it all, is what we're rehearsing. We are remembering, we are proclaiming that this is where history is going. Ah, don't get, yeah, don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on people saying you want to be on the right side of history. And I go, what sort of history are we talking about here? Because if you're not talking about the cosmic history of the eternal God and the, that history story, his story that's unfolding, is, which is the best way to read history, isn't it? His story. You're, some of you are with me, some of you are not tracking with me. Some of you need some people to explain it to you. History is his story. It's his unfolding story of what he is doing. We, we aren't the primary center. We aren't the center of attraction. Jesus is the center of attraction. And the great thing is when we point people to Jesus, it's that, it's that beautiful reminder. He's at the center of everything. It's him that you've got to deal with. Not me. 
You can reject me. You can, you can do all kinds of things to me. That won't affect my relationship with Jesus, right? Because my relationship with Jesus is that he's the son of God that's coming to rule and reign and I'm trusting in him. And he said, people are going to hate you, people are going to persecute you, people are going to say all kinds of evil things about you. It's the greatest pickup line that's ever the world's ever heard. Jesus is the greatest motivational speaker. If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Give up, give up what you want for your life and follow me. I've told you that in this world you'll have trouble and difficulty, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. And, when, and we think, well, this is good. Jesus has overcome the world. But we forget the first bit. In this life you will have trouble. Because, why? Because God's not here. The, he is not. He is, he is sovereignly governing what happens and unfolding it, but he's not living here on earth, which is what we're looking for. So this is the invitation for us all again today. As this slide said, to believe his gospel focused on Jesus, the beautiful son of man, who is going to take dominion over the cosmos. And it's important that you understand that. There's so much in the Bible about the return, what Jesus will do when he returns. Please do not be uh, misrepresenting Jesus as Jesus meek and mild who allowed, when he returns, who will allow people to spit on him. Those days are over. Read the passages for yourself and you'll see he comes as a triumphant king to eliminate his enemies, to purge the earth of all the unrepentant, rebellious ones. And so the, but, the, but today, right now, is an invitation for all of us here and the entire planet is to say that there's an invitation. Today, stop rebelling. That's the invitation. And that's where I want to land this morning. Um, skip ahead to the slide with the red cross on it. In the contest of ideas, will you believe God's gospel and reject all other gospels? That's the question. And, I want to, and, and many of you have already answered this question and said yes to it. So, the, so I want to say to you, go out and encourage people. Go out and point to people. Use, use what's going on in the world around about us to, to point to the better gospel, the fullness of that, that the only gospel that can actually provide all the things that the human heart desires is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is coming to reign. I've got a prayer I want us to pray to close this morning. It's coming up on the screen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and we're going to pray it together. And some of you are going to be praying this prayer for the first time. The worship team can come up and join me at this point. You pray this with me. Some of you will be praying it for the first time. And you'll be accepting this invitation. And that way you can, you can move from a place of, of, I don't know how my life is going. I don't know whether, whether the world's going to blow up tomorrow. All those kind of things. You can have a hope anchored in the fact that actually God is reigning and ruling. Things will unfold according to his timeline, according to his time plan. And so our question is always, God, help me get connected to your time frame 
help me see not just what's going on around and what I'm reading, but help me, God, see what you are doing. Because you are moving all of history to the appointed place for the return of your son to come and rule and reign, to purge the earth so that you, Father, can come and dwell on the earth with us forever and we will enjoy you. So let's pray this prayer together. Just pray with me out loud. God, thank you for your mercy and kindness to me. Despite my hatred, indifference and apathy towards you, today I accept your gracious invitation to your new creation where everything in heaven and on earth is under the authority of Christ. I bow my knees and surrender full control of my life to King Jesus. I commit to learn to know, love and obey Jesus. Connect me to someone in this church who will help me to learn your will and ways. God, I have friends who need to know about your wonderful invitation. Open my mouth to share it and open their hearts to accept your invitation. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.